Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Four, Second Timothy chapter number four tonight. And uh, let's jump into the word of God and allow it to speak to our hearts. Second Timothy chapter number four. And as I said this morning, just one verse because uh, the content here uh, will just take us some time to jump into. So Second Timothy chapter number four and verse number five. We'll pray and get to our message this evening. I'm thankful for the Word of God, aren't you? It is our guide. It gives us light. Verse number 5, it says this, But watch thou, who's thou? Timothy. In all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. We'll read on for context's sake. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, sounds like something we heard this morning, the righteous judge. Aren't you thankful for the righteous judge? And we hear it again tonight. The righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, just speaking to our hearts and, and blessing us by this gathering tonight. Lord, we're grateful for the assembly of the saints. And Lord, though we are not perfect, we admit that you are, and we want to follow you. We want to become more like you, and we want to do your will. And so, Lord, we've gathered here tonight with hungry hearts and asking you to speak to us. Now, Lord, I realize a human limitation. I cannot affect change. Only you can. And Lord, I pray that you would set me aside, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would minister your truth to our hearts, and that tonight we would be changed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for our church family to grow more and more in the likeness of Christ. So we love you tonight, and we ask for you to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing. Timothy was ministering in a time that was, uh, was very perilous. The Bible says here in verse number uh, chapter number 3 and verse number 1 that this know also in the last days perilous times shall come. Everything Paul has said has flown, uh, flowed from that thought and he's continuing to encourage Timothy to continue forward and not to give up, realizing that those that are going to corrupt the truth and twist the truth on truth like Janice and Jambres did and try to manipulate it to accomplish their own, uh, own uh, purposes. Those people are going to be uh, brought to open shame in verse number 8 and 9 of chapter 3. And they're going to proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as also theirs was. Speaking of those Egyptian magicians in the courtroom of Pharaoh. Before, uh, before Moses. So everything he is saying, everything Paul is saying to Timothy has to do with knowing this, hey, you're in a perilous time, you're in a, a pressing time, you're in a time that is hard to bear. 
He reminds Timothy that the answer to this all is the word of God. He says, Timothy, you've known from a child the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise into salvation. He says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. In fact, it's so profitable that with it the man of God can be perfectly and thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Every good work. Not just part of it, but you are completely equipped and prepared for every good every work by the word of God. And so Timothy was ministering in a time that people would seek to, to rush away from the truth and resist the truth and reject the truth and not hear it. And Paul said, no, Timothy, I want you to do this. In the midst of this type of time, I want you to preach the word. I want you to be instant and in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. I want you to stay at it, Timothy. I don't want you to give up. And if you remember the last time that we were together in this passage, we found in verse number four, they will get to the point where they turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Literally, where they, they heap to themselves, they go searching out all sorts of different teachers that will agree with their own lusts and they turn away their ears. It's as if uh, a two-year-old putting their uh, fingers in their ears, they, they will turn away their ears. They will reject the truth by not even placing themselves under the truth or in places of being reminded by the truth. They'll not go to a church that reminds them of the truth. They'll not hang around friends that remind them of the truth and they'll be turned away. This is the context in which Paul is now saying to Timothy, Timothy, you have a job to do. I want to leave something with you. I want to leave you a reminder. I want to help you to understand how you are to go forward in this type of culture. Because as we've asked this morning, uh, what do you do when everyone is resisting it? What do you do when everyone around you is saying, no, we don't want Jesus. We don't want the word of God. We don't believe in absolutes. We do believe that there are more than one, on two genders. We, we do believe that marriage is between, uh, be, um, between guys and guys and women and women and so on. We don't believe what God says in that way. And they're rejecting the truth and they, they turn their ears away from it. What do we do? And, and I don't know about you. When I think about what Timothy was up against, and sometimes when I think about what we're up against, might be, there might be a little bit of a temptation. You know what? Maybe we should just kind of quietly do our thing, mind our own business, do our own thing, and, and kind of stay out of people's way. And Timothy was a timid individual that Paul constantly was encouraging, hey, you got to step up. you got to be courageous. you got to take on the ministry. Go forward. Don't, don't let up, Timothy. What was Timothy to do? What was Timothy to do, especially in this, in this fact that Paul was about ready to step off the scene. Because in verses 6, 7, and 8, um, Paul is basically saying, hey, these are my last words. I, I fought a good fight. I've run, I've run my race. I, I've stayed the course and so on. I, I've done the right thing. And, and now I'm looking forward to heaven when I'm going to receive that crown. I'm going on to heaven. And Timothy, this is what you need to do. And that's exactly what's going on here. There are two thoughts in this passage. We could preach it together, but really I broke it apart. The, the thoughts towards Timothy and the testimony of Paul. In verse number five, Paul says, but thou, this is what you need to do in the face of all this. And I can only imagine if Paul was standing and preaching to us tonight, he would say the same exact thing. This is what Grace Baptist Church needs to do in the face of everything we're facing in our nation. This is what Grace Baptist Church needs to do. This is what every member of our church needs to be mindful of. This is what every leader in our church needs to be mindful of. And then he says in verses 6 through 8, he says, I, for my part, as for my part, this is what I've done. 
Paul only had his life to look back on. Timothy had his life to theoretically look forward upon. And so he's saying that, Timothy, here is the laundry list. Here's the checklist of what you need to be making sure that you are proactively engaging in as you go forward in a culture that is turning its ears from the truth. Now, it wasn't just going to be the, the lost. It was also, there's going to be some people even within the church that were, that were turning away their ears from the truth and walking out. They were, they were resisting the truth. And Timothy was to have, uh, have to face and minister in the midst of that. So what was Timothy to do? And Paul gives it to us. As Paul's death is, is very near, this is the last book that he writes. This is, these are his parting words. We're getting down to the final words of this chapter. This is his parting words. And he says, Timothy, I want you to make sure that you do this. And what does Paul say? Well, it's pretty simple. We could probably take it, but we're going to break it, um, break it down. Look in verse number five. Be, be sober is what I want us to first of all notice, but watch thou in all things. But watch thou in all things. Now notice, um, you know, t- it's easy for you and I to get focused on what everyone else is doing, right? Uh, sometimes we come into a, a setting like this. It's easy for us to get focused on what everyone else is doing. God always focuses on, are you with me? God focuses here. What Jesus wants to do here tonight is not just about everyone else. He wants to, he wants to minister to your heart. He wants, to, he wants to move you forward. And sometimes we get caught out, what is the world doing? What are other believers doing? That's always a bad, a bad way to start uh, trying to grow in Christ because you're going to get disillusioned. And what did Jesus tell us in Hebrews chapter 12? We're to keep our eyes on him. So he says here, but watch thou. Say that with me. But watch thou. Timothy, you have to do it no matter what anyone else does. You have to make sure that you watch and that you are sober. And that's exactly the idea of watching is to to have that self-control or to get that self-control to be sober, to be sober-minded about the things that that you're engaging in, to to curb your own desires, uh, to be self-disciplined, to be consistent, to be, as as Linsky says, uh, to have this idea of, of clarity of mind, sound judgment, not not blinded um, by, the, by, the, uh, uh, by the world around you, not carried away with the follies, the fables that are going on around you, not carried away with those things, not being tossed to and fro, staying on course. It's all in the idea of watching, be sober, stay on course, be consistent, have the right judgment. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 6, therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Let us watch and be sober. Let us watch. And Timothy was to do this in all respects. In every respect of his ministry, he was to be watching and being sober. You and I need to be watching and being sober in everything that we do, giving, giving our attention to having a clear mind and sound judgment, not being carried away by the follies and the false teachings of this world, all the theories of this world. We have so much that's going on. I often touch on humanism because it's such a real part of our world right now where everything focuses in on me. I become my own God. We have to watch and be sober against these things. And Timothy had to do that. We must as well. Timothy was not to let the critics. He was not to let the false teachers. He was not to let the response of people to set the agenda of his ministry. I want you to really think about that. How often do we do that? God tells us to do something and we worry about how people respond. And we allow that to set the agenda. Well, I'm just not going to do it anymore. 
Well, this must not be God's will because they didn't respond right. Irregardless of how the world responds around us, we must be faithful to God. We must stay at it. There were going to be many critics. Do you think that as Timothy stood up and preached the word instant in season and out of season, and as he reproved and as he rebuked, that everyone was going to be happy about it? (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. And he was to stay the course. He was to be sober. And why? The Bible helps us understand all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for that doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. It was, it was that that was going to help Timothy stay the course. It was that that was going to help Timothy stay sober-minded. And I ask you tonight, how can you and I stay sober-minded in this world? How can we be watchful? How can we be watchful as God has told us to be watchful? The Bible tells us in Ephesians that we're to be watchful. We're to be understanding what the will of the Lord is. We're to redeem the time because the days are evil. How is it that we are to be sober? How is it that we can be clear in our mind that we make the right decisions about the matters in front of us? How is it that we can stay consistent and not be constantly on a roller coaster with the rest of the world and with the rest of Christianity? How is it? I want you to notice a couple of thoughts from Scripture you can write these down, and I encourage you to do that. When the Bible talks about light, the Bible often talks about light in the, in the context of, of spiritual enlightenment, spiritual understanding. I'm going to show you a few um, verses of Scripture. John 8 and verse number 12, we mentioned it last week. Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. And what is that all about? Uh, physical light? No, he's, he's talking, it's a spiritual concept. Uh, he is the one who enlightens the world, gives, gives illumination to God in, in the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life, shall have illumination, shall have the understanding of the things of God. He's going to understand things uh, of Christ. He's going to understand how to be reconciled with God. He's going to understand many things about walking with God. So I want us to realize this. The way that Timothy could, and the way that you and I can be sober and watch in all things is, first of all, making sure that we have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see what he says there? Those that believe on him, those that follow him, shall have the light of life. They're going to understand things. They're going to have the light of life within them. Jesus is the light of the world, and we can have the light as we follow him and we're in relationship with him. I want us to notice that it's through our uh, submission to the Spirit of Christ. The Bible says in John 16 and verse 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Friends, we cannot underestimate the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives on a daily basis. I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. And that is not a doctrine for the charismatics to have and to have a corner on. That's a doctrine because it's in the scriptures. We need the Holy Spirit. He's promised to guide us into all truth. Aren't you thankful that he, if you're a believer here tonight, aren't you thankful that you have the indwelling Holy Spirit to guide you into what is true and what is not true? I'm so thankful for that. But friends, if we're going to be sober in this day and have clear thinking and right judgment and be consistent, I need the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. But I bring us back to the Old Testament we also find this sobriety through the Word of God, this, this enlightenment through the Word of God. And understand Psalm 19, verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Now notice, enlightening the eyes. Enlightening the eyes. 
The word of God is what gives us that understanding, that understanding that Timothy needed to go forward, that understanding that, that Paul was talking about in, in verse 16 of chapter 3, in verse 17, this understanding that, that comes as we allow the word of God to be in us. It gives us light. It gives us spiritual enlightenment. Psalm 119 and verse 30, the entrance of thy word giveth what? Giveth light giveth light. Let's say that together. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. It is when God's word enters into our heart that I have light and I'm able to make right decisions, sound judgment. I'm able to remain watchful and remain sober, alert in this day. It is his word that gives me light. You know, the people that have, that over the last year have been able to, to navigate through the craziness of our world are those that are closest to God. Those that are close to the word of God, they, they view the world through the, the biblical lens. That's, that's our light. That's the enlightenment that we need. And then lastly, through prayer, Jesus told his disciples, listen, you need to watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. You need to watch and pray. You make sure that you're praying. The armor ends up with this praying always with all prayer and supplication. Oh, how we need that. So if Timothy was to stay at it, it was going to be the word. It was going to be his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the spirit of God. It was going to be the word of God. And as he would seek the Lord in prayer, would help him to stay sober and watchful and have clear thinking and be able to make right decisions in the ministry there in Ephesus. But notice the next commands, and I want us to catch this, all three of the next commands are given to us in a very interesting way. They're given to us in a sense where Timothy was to make an immediate decision that would, would affect the rest of his life, affect his daily, his daily living. But they were also a little bit militaristic in, their, in, the, in the way that they were giving. The, these, these commands were expected to be taken and uh, essentially Timothy to say, yes, sir. And he was to take them and he was to put them into action. This first command was given and Paul did not say that Timothy was not being sober. He was to continue in it. He was to keep doing what he was doing, continue at it. It's like Paul coming along to his son in the faith and saying, hey, you're doing a great job, but I want you to continue to be sober. I want you to continue to watch. You're doing a good job, but I want you to continue in it. These next commands, he's, he's admonishing him. He's exhorting him. He's commanding him under the authority of God to do these things, to make sure that he does these, these matters. And so notice, it's not just be sober, but suffer for hardship suffer hardship or endure hardship it says there endure afflictions say that with me endure afflictions endures to suffer pain to experience the harm even the emotional the emotional pain so it's both physical and emotional physical external and internal that he was to bear up under this was a choice he was going to need to make we says it's a sharp command given with a military snap and curtness timothy needed just that he was not cast in a, a heroic mold. How we in the ministry of the word need this injunction today. What softies we often sometimes are afraid to come out and clearly uh, in our proclamation of the truth and our stand as, as to false doctrine, fearing the ostracism of our fellows, the ecclesiastical uh, displeasure of our superiors, and the cutting off of our immediate financial income. And listen, there's sometimes we get to um, being afraid. Well, if I take that stand, or if I say that at work, I might be cut off, or I might be ostracized. Timothy needed to hear it from the Apostle Paul. Hey, endure affliction. Endure hardness. Stay at it. The whole title of this series through the, uh, 2 Timothy is Endure. Why? Because that's a key thought. Endure. Go back over to uh, chapter 2 and verse number 4. 
chapter 2 and verse number 4, uh, verse number 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, Timothy. You make sure that you endure, stay under it. Don't, don't try to escape it, stay under it. Every hardship that God is allowing in our life, God has there for a reason and is perfecting us. It's causing us to be a better, a better servant, a better soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, through that hardship, he's creating patience, he's creating endurance in our life, this endurance that he commanded Timothy to have. The Bible says in Philippians chapter one and verse number 29, for unto you it is given, and the behalf of Christ, now I want us to notice, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. How does that verse strike you? How does that strike American Christianity? How does that strike my Christianity? Are you with me on that? We struggle with that, don't we? We struggle a whole lot with that. Now, I want us just to think about the fact that this, this suffering and affliction for Timothy and for Paul, even if we go back to Jesus, oftentimes comes from two sides. Sometimes it comes from the world, the heathen. You know, there's sometimes where it comes from other believers or those that claim to follow God. You know what happened for Jesus, it was the Jews that put him on the cross, those that were religious. For Paul, when he uh, was up in Antioch of, of Pisidia, uh, he was chased out of that town, going down to Iconium, chased out of that, of that town, and he ends up in Lystra. And what happens? The people from Antioch, the Jewish people from up there, the, the religious but hostile crowd come down to Lystra and stone him in the streets. Well, not that interesting? You know, sometimes I think we, we are, we're not sober as to the fact where, of, or where we expect the persecution to come. Yes, the world will persecute, but you know God's people or those that claim to follow God sometimes, even for God's people sometimes it's in their own carnality, that they, they will persecute or they will cause affliction. And I just say to us, Paul was saying to Timothy, endure hardness, endure affliction, endure affliction. Now sometimes you and I think, that when we are suffering affliction, it means we're doing something wrong. But that's not the case. The Bible says, I mean, and I'll, I'll get to a, a caveat to that in a moment. But the Bible says in Luke 6, 26, Jesus saying, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. You know, most of us look for that. I want everyone to be, I want everyone to be good. I want everyone to speak well, to pat me on the back. Everything, everything's good. Jesus says, woe unto you. You're in a dangerous position when everyone is saying, you're all good, you're all good. That's a dangerous place to be. Uh, the Bible says in 2 Timothy, this, this book, verse, on chapter 3, verse 12, yea, and all that will live godly, there's a choice, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Shall. It's not if, it's not might, but it is shall suffer persecution. And so we think in our minds that if I'm, you know, if I'm doing the right thing, if I'm serving the Lord, everything should be easy. No. You should be really worried if everything is easy. Uh, fish that are going downstream don't have to do very much work. Right? Uh, it's those that are going upstream. It's those that are going against the tide. 
And friends, like never before, Christianity is against the tide of our nation. Uh, there isn't a moral majority that is there that's saying, hey, way to go, keep it up, we're, we're proud of you. No, it, it's coming the other way. That's, that's what, it, what it seems. And so, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Notice what First Peter 4 and verse 14 says. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. What? Yeah, happy are ye. Now, that hits every one of us because we're typically not happy. But Jesus, God tells us, hey, happy are you. Why? For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. You get to, through your suffering, exalt God. You get to, through your affliction, exalt him. But notice as it goes on, on their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. Was te- uh, when, uh, when Stephen was stoned, did he not demonstrate God? Did, did they not see it on on his face? Did they not have to stop their ears and rush towards him, stoning him because of what he was saying and declaring? Pretty amazing scene as he glorified God in that moment. But notice verse number 15 says, but let none of you, me, you, suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other man's matters. And so here God just helps us understand that if you're suffering because you're, you're doing something wrong, you've, you've committed a crime, or you're being a busybody, you're just being plain nosy, then that's on you. And that's not, that's not a, a good thing. That's not to be applauded in any way. And so we must be conscious of that. God wants us to suffer, but our suffering needs to be for the gospel's sake, for Christ's sake, because we're doing the right thing. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, as a little Christ, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this um, behalf. And so we need to be prepared in our minds. We need to take this, this, this command from the Apostle Paul, and yes, from God himself, and endure affliction to stay under it. The song goes, Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, notice, supported by thy word. If Timothy was to go forward, it's going to be supported by the word of God. That is what everything of this is flowing from through. He's to preach the word. And yes, as you continue to do that, make sure you're sober and make sure you are enduring affliction as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was to be sober. He was to endure this hardship. And notice that he was to preach the gospel, do the work of an evangelist. Verse number five, let's say that out loud together. Do the work of an evangelist. One more time and louder. Do the work of an evangelist. Do. Carry it out, Timothy. Uh, Carry it out every day. He is to make a choice just like the other. uh, He was to make a choice. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to set my agenda around. This is what is going to characterize me. And that's exactly the idea of this, this verb is that it was to characterize everything that he did. All of his activity was to be colored by the work of evangelism, was to be colored by this, this overarching uh, um, obligation and duty that he had. Yes, he was to feed the sheep, uh, according to Acts 20, 28. And according to 1 Peter chapter 5, he was to feed the sheep and he was to shepherd them. But everything was to be tainted and everything was to be colored with the idea that he was an evangelist. He was on earth to declare the gospel. This work is a duty. 
It's interesting that this work, it doesn't speak so much of the, the toilsomeness of work, but it speaks of the duty of it. This was, uh, this was Timothy's duty. This was his obligation. In fact, it even carries the idea of having a, a moral or legal obligation. Why is that? Well, the Bible talks to us in 2, Timoth- uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19, when God was in, in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing uh, their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Do you remember what the next verse starts out as? It says, now then. Now then. Based on what God has done in reconciling you to, um, to the Father, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ that be reconciled to God. So out of, out of what God has done for us, God then calls us, says you have a duty, you have a moral obligation to God Almighty to declare the gospel, to be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. I think over into Romans chapter number 12, it says after all the, the chapters, chapters 1 through 11 of speaking about the great doctrine of justification and all that God is doing in our lives through sanctification, he says to us, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, intelligent service. And so we have this duty, this obligation to do this. I think of the hymn, uh, when I survey the wondrous cross, were the whole realm, think about that last verse, were the whole realm of nature mine. That were a present far too small. Now notice, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, and my all. His love for me demands something from me. I I serve him because I love him, and I serve him out of gratitude for that. But Paul was saying to Timothy, this is your duty. This is a duty you ought to perform out of love to your Savior. Yes, it would be labor. Yes, it would be work. Yes, it would not be easy. Yes, it would take effort, much effort. But he was to preach the gospel. He was to declare the gospel. Notice the word evangelist is one who brings the good news. One who brings the good news. I have a question for you tonight. Are you an evangelist? Yes, we are. Now, I realize in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11, the, God has gifted to the church the, the gifting of evangelists. There are those that, that are gifted in, in that way. Their, their heart just throbs with that. They help. In fact, you know, I think about this pastor I mentioned that is coming in on January 22nd to help us with the soul winning trim, uh, uh, seminar. There's a man that his heart is throbbing so much that he's like, Lord, I just want to be able to help uh, make churches effective in that way. You can think of a man in that way, gifted uh, with the gift of the evangelist, someone who's just throbbing in that way, but also uh, a person who, who is just constantly, it's just, it's, just, it's just in their nature, it's in their gifting, uh, given to them by God, uh, to, to uh, declare the gospel and to be declarers of the good news. Now, sometimes we think about evangelists and we think, well, is that one of those itinerant, uh, itinerant preachers? You know, sometimes a, a, a word will morph a little bit. Uh, many of the evangelists that you can even think of today probably look more like a, a missionary going into new territories and taking the gospel to places that don't have it. Uh, evangelists today, sometimes in America, we, 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 we kind of equate with a truck and a trailer, right? Are you with me? Uh, some of you that have been around church for, um, for a while, a truck and a trailer uh, that might be a person who stirs up. But uh, really, you think about the, the gifting of a missionary, someone who's just, I, I want to go church plan. I want to I go into a city. I want to see people come to the Lord Jesus Christ and the church be established. And so uh, the, the gifting of evangelists, yes, there is a gifting that God has given to the church in a formal way. 
But every one of us is an evangelist. Every one of us has been called to declare the good news, to witness of the good news. Acts 1.8, all the great commissions that Jesus Christ gave to us, all of us are given this, this obligation, this duty, this duty of the evangelist. Now, was Timothy a pastor? Yes. What was he to do? He was to... He was to carry out, he was to perform the duty of an evangelist, the, the work of an evangelist, the, his obligation as evangelist. And, you know, sometimes this might not have come easy for Timothy, but he was to do it nonetheless, and he was to declare the good news. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, the gospel, the good news. The good news is what the gospel means. And so an evangelist is one who declares the good news. I, I love it when the angels came and announced the birth of the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 2. It says, uh, it says Luke 2 in verse 10, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you, do you remember? Good tidings of great joy. Good tidings. Why? Because they're announcing the Lord Jesus Christ coming. Good tidings. Timothy was not to neglect to preach the good news and to declare the good news and to orient his ministry around the good news. And we can't neglect it either. And I talked a lot about that this morning. And I I know you're praying with me about how we can take steps forward. I know you're already praying about on January uh, 22nd. You say, I want to be there. I want to be a part of allowing God to teach me to be a better soul winner and a better witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's keep on going. We cannot neglect this. In the face of all that's going on in our culture, we must make sure that we're being sober, that we're enduring hardness, and that we're declaring the gospel. What is ultimately going to save this, this nation? gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else can save them. We can have all the right people in office. And I would like that, by the way. I wouldn't mind that at all. But we can have all the right people in office and people still die and go to hell. And friends, we have to stay on focus. None of what we're doing, and even what your pastor's involved, none of that distracts from the matter. The first and foremost priority is this, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank the Lord for additional opportunities to declare the gospel to people along the way and to give the gospel. And I, I'm, I'm working on setting up meetings with some, some of the folks that are in office even right now. Hey, why? To, to give them the gospel. I want to get them the gospel. And we want to do that. We want to get the gospel to the people that we meet in the store and everywhere we go. Good news is only good news, as one man said, if it gets there in time. It gets to them in time. Oh, how we need to handle the good news. Now, we have to be doing this and doing the work. It's a decision, friends. Timothy had to make a decision. It was a decision to do the work of the evangelist. You're going to have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. I'm going to grab a stack of cards and I'm going to canvas some doors. I'm going to grab a map. I'm going to grab some new move-ins. I'm going to go knock on a door and say, hey, I'm from Grace Baptist Church and I'd like to welcome you to the area and I'd certainly love for you to come to the church where I call home. You're going to have to do that. There's going to be some decisions I want you to write down some things here tonight and maybe brainstorm with the, me for a moment. How can you make sure that you're engaged in doing the work of the evangelist? Maybe you say, I don't feel like I'm gifted to be an evangelist, but I understand that Timothy was called to do the work of the evangelist. He was to perform the, the, the legal obligation, the obligation that he had, a debt he had towards Jesus Christ, do the work of the evangelist to declare the good news. And I want to be doing that, so how do we make sure that we're doing that? Uh, first of all, I want you to think about this. Hey, are you prepared with your own personal testimony? If Jesus said that you are his witness, are you prepared with that? Can you give an elevator speech with your testimony? Can you give someone your testimony in about 30 seconds? 
Are you ready with that? Is that on the tip of your tongue? Do you have a clear testimony that you thought through that would, would touch a person's heart? You know, I, uh, I think I've mentioned to you, I, I'm meeting with a guy that I'm trying to bring to the Lord Jesus Christ, and it all started with a, a, a testimony outside of my favorite, my favorite coffee shop. And all it was, I didn't think, it, it didn't seem like much to me. All I said was, at the age of 12, I met Jesus Christ and he changed my life. He was intrigued. And so he wants to talk more about it. And you know what? It's amazing how a testimony, just witnessing of Jesus Christ can change a person's perspective and intrigue them. Are you ready with that? I have another question. Are you ready with a longer uh, portion? We're all touched. And you know, I, I, I miss Miss Joanne. How many of you are with me on that? Man. You talk about church family. You talk about the feeling of family. That's right there. When you miss that, that dear, you just don't see her smile. And, but I'll tell you, wasn't that powerful at the, at the funeral service to be able to see her share her testimony? Wasn't that powerful? Can I just encourage you? You say, well, my testimony is not like hers. She had, a, she had a crazy testimony. I admit, she had a crazy t- testimony. She was a, a motorcycle riding uh, uh, you know, uh, person, and you know, she, was, she was an interesting person. But when she came to Christ, God changed her life. I love, still love what her family said. Uh, they said, oh, they were telling all sorts of stories about her, but then they said something along this line. When she came to Christ, her marriage changed. Everything changed. I thought, what a testimony. What a testimony. And the fact is, whether you got saved out of a Christian home or whether you got saved out of a horrible lifestyle, your life changed, did it not? It changed. It changed. Jesus moved in by his spirit. What a great thing. So do you have your testimony written down? Do you have that testimony? Jesus said that you're my witnesses. Well, let's be a prepared witness. Let's be a ready witness. What about this? Do you maintain a prospect list? Do you have a list of people right now that you can say, you know what, I, I'm working on this person and this person and this person, and I'm praying that they come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Could you write down five names of people right now that you're praying? In fact, why don't you, you have a piece of paper in front of you or a phone in front of you? Can you write down a couple of people? Could you write down a couple of people right now? I'm, I'm serious. I, I, you're all looking at me still. I'm, I'm serious about this. Could you write down some people? Because listen, God just told us to do the work of the evangelist. Are we going to do it this week? Are we going to reach out to these people? Hey, grab a connection card, grab whatever piece of paper in front of you, write down. Are there a couple people? Is it one? Praise God for one. Add more as they come along. But can you reach out to that person this week? Can you, can you just set up maybe a coffee with them, do something nice for them, call them and ask if you can pray with them, go over to their house and pray with them? Do the work of the evangelist. Uh, Go after it with the mindset, I want to win this person to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maintain a prospect list. If you don't have anyone you're praying about, who's going to come to the Lord? You don't have any goals. You're going to hit nothing every time, friend. And let's make sure that we have a prospect list. Those who we're praying for, we're working towards for salvation. What about this? Could you determine how many tracks you're going to pass out in a given week? Lord, by your grace, I'm going to determine that every week that goes by, I'm going to pass out at least five tracks. You think you could do that? Could you make a, a commitment between you and the Lord? Not to me, but between you and the Lord. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to look for five. Do you know how that might even change the way that you go throughout your daily life? 
but I'm going to look, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to doing that. And I'm going to ask somebody else to keep me accountable and I'm going to keep them accountable. I'm going to encourage one another to do the work of the evangelist. What about this? Are you willing and do you follow up on those that are interested? Are there some people in your life that you know are interested, you've had a good conversation with, maybe it's even from a new move-in or, or someone from here at church, you know you've had a good uh, uh, interaction with them, but you need to follow up with them. Well, I felt that's the church's job. Do you know what? The pastor, the pastor cannot follow up on all the people that God gives you. I'm going to say that again, and I hope that you'll give an amen. The pastor cannot follow up on all the people that God gives you. It can't be done. That's the reason God gave them to you. You have the responsibility to follow up on them. And I'll follow up on, on as many as I can, but listen, if God has given you a divine appointment with somebody, follow up on them. Follow up with those that are interested. And then I would just like to encourage us, if we're going to do the work of the evangelist, make sure that we're participating in the different outreaches that, that are provided by the church. We should, be, we should be 24-7. We should be looking for opportunities in our daily life. But as I mentioned this morning, uh, I want to see those new moving uh, visits go out. I want to see uh, more canvassing happening. I want to see more people working on the bus ministry and visiting bus kids and, and, and seeking to bring them in and uh, encouraging them that way. And, and we can participate in these opportunities and do the work of the evangelist. So how are you going to do the work of the evangelist? Well, this is between you and God, but there's some, there's some steps that we all can take like we talked this morning. We need to take some steps forward. Let's do the work of the evangelist. So Timothy was to be sober. He was to suffer hardship. He was to preach the gospel. But notice he was also to finish the work. He was to finish the work. Make full proof of thy ministry. Say that with me. Make full proof of thy ministry. Thy ministry, Timothy. Thy ministry, the ministry God's given you. He's not giving it to somebody else. We can get focused on other people, but make full proof of thy ministry. We all have a race to run. We all have a job to do. The church has eyes, it has feet, it has hands, it has, it has mouths. Uh, you know, it's a body, and we all have our job to do. We all have our service. We all have our function in the body, according to Ephesians 4 and verse number 16. What is your particular ministry that God has given to you? This word ministry is service. It's the same. Uh, it's from the same word we get, the word deacon. It's, it's uh, to serve. And so Timothy was to make full proof of his ministry, the ministry that God had given to him, that God had called him to do. Now notice he says make full proof. That's not something we say often. Hey, make full proof of your job today. Uh, we don't often say that. You know, you're not going to walk into work tomorrow and hear, hear your boss say, make full proof of your assignment today. Okay? But the idea is to fully accomplish it. To fill it thoroughly, entirely. It's the idea of filling a container completely to the brim. Filling it all the way up. What has God called you to do? What has God called you to do? Yes, we know he wants us to be evangelists, but what service... What ministry has he called you to do? Timothy was to be the pastor there at the church of Ephesus. He was to, to uh, work with people and commit thou to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. He was to preach the word. He was to study the word. He was to rightly divide the word. All these things he was to do. He was to confront false teachers. He was to make full proof of these different ministries. What's your ministry? What do you need to fill up completely? What role do you play here at Grace Baptist Church? What weekly function do you serve within the body? And are you filling it all the way up to the brim? I'm doing it to the best of my ability. I'm completing it all the way. Romans 12 and verse 11 says, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That's the temperature. That's the mode with which we are to serve the Lord. Make full proof of thy 
ministry. The only time that the word addicted shows up in Scripture is in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 15. How many of you knew that the word addicted was in the Bible? It's a great, but it's interesting how it, how it comes in. It says, I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, the first fruits, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, friends, that's what we need to be like. Our lives need to revolve around. There's a lot of things we can revolve around. We don't want to revolve around the idolatry and the sightseeing of today, like we talked about this morning. We do want to revolve our lives around the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything centered around his work and his purpose and his church. And so we want to focus in on that. They were addicted to it. They were all in. You could not say that the house of Stephanus, the whole family, notice that the house, the whole family was not giving themselves to the work of the ministry. God, God notes them through the Apostle Paul. These folks were giving themselves. They were making full proof of their ministry. They were doing it. You know, sometimes a child comes to a parent, and I've experienced this before, and you all that are parents will understand what I'm saying. I did what you told me to do. And you go and check, and they didn't do what I told them to do. I can remember a time when I was young, my mom had told me to clean up my room. That seems to be the common illustration. But I remember one time that it was cleaning up my room and I stuffed everything under the bed. It was the last time I stuck everything under the bed, at least to my knowledge. But you know, sometimes we're like that. God gives us a ministry to perform. And we're like, we did it. We did it. But we didn't make full proof of it. We were there. And we put in, we put in some time but we didn't make full proof of it. And friends, how I encourage us, let's make full proof, not for the church's sake, but for God's sake. Are you with me on that? For God's sake. For the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not for me. Please don't. Not for me. Uh, we, we do it because we serve the Lord God, the, the Lord Christ. He's the one that we are, we are serving. And so Timothy was to be committed to accomplishing all that God had given them to do there in Ephesus and anywhere else God would place them. He was to, he was to give it all of his effort. Sometimes people will say, God has called me to serve, but they don't finish the work. They don't finish the work. You know, I'm thankful for believers who finish the task, who go all the way. Aren't you? Don't you appreciate that? God appreciates that. It honors him. Is there a task that you need to accomplish all the way? You say, God gave this to me. And God allowed me to serve within the church in this function, but I need to make full proof of it. I need to carry it to the, to the end. I need to make full proof of this. I hope that would be your heart. Is there a ministry that you need to make full proof of? You're in it. You're doing it. You're struggling. And, and you might, might, might need to just talk to the Lord about that tonight and say, Lord, I, I want to heed the word of the Apostle Paul to Timothy, I want to make full proof of this. I don't want to just check in, but I want to make full proof of it. I don't want to just show up. I want to make full proof of it. I want to fill it all the way up. I want you to be pleased with my effort. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. So in a sense here tonight, here's what's going on. Paul's saying to Timothy, I'm on my way out. This is the world that you're involved in. I'm on my way out. It's really up to you. It's up to you. Uh, what happens next is up to you. I'm going to meet Jesus. It's up to you. I think back to David when he was about ready to die. He had wanted to build the temple, did he not? He wanted to build the temple. And that temple, kids, was going to be a really big temple. And it was going to be full of gold and all sorts of nice things. And, and David wanted to build it. But because he was a man of war, 
God said, no, it's not for you to build. It's going to be for your, your son to build. Well, it's interesting because in 1 Chronicles 22 and verse number 5, it says, and David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender. It was his way of saying he's inexperienced. Uh, he, he needs to suffer some hardships. And uh, I don't know how this is all going to go. But he says, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent of fame and of glory throughout all countries. Do you hear that? I mean, Timothy had some really high, or uh, David had some high expectations for how this house would be built and what it would look in, uh, like in the reputation in the countries. He says, I will therefore now make preparations for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Abundantly. So he prepared the way. He said, this is the way we're going to go. And then he calls Solomon and says in verse 6, then he called Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. He charged him. He, he commanded him. Similar to how Paul is commanding Timothy, here's what you need to do. This, be sober, endure hardship, preach the gospel, and make sure that you make full proof. Finish the task. Finish your ministry. Go all the way with God. Go all the way in what he called you to do. Do it. And so um, Solomon was challenged by David. Hey, hey it's up to you. You're going to have to do this. Make full proof of your ministry. Go all the way with it. Do the job and do it right. It's up to you. It's up to you. You know what? Sometimes it's easy for us in a church body to look and, and we, we might say, well, the church needs to do this. The church needs to do this. And sometimes I stop and ask, and maybe I'll, I've asked you this, who's the church? Who's the church? Who's we? Sometimes people come to, come to me and they'll say, we, pastor, need to do this. And I ask them, who is we? Who is we? Because if you're coming trying to add something else to the, on the to-do list, I, I, I might need to put that on there, but it, there's a pretty good chance that you might need to take that up and, and, and carry it along. And so, as we think about that, there's no one else here but you. Think about this as between you and God. It's up to you. It's up to you. Take these, take these, these four items and say, by God's grace, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to face this generation. I'm going to be sober. I'm going to endure hardship. I will preach the gospel. I will finish the work that God has given to me. I will do this. It's up to you. It's up to you. And with that, I invite you to bow your heads and let's just ask the Lord to help us with that. We certainly need his help. Because there are days, like Timothy, he would get discouraged and Paul was telling him, hey, Timothy, this is what you need to stay focused on. Be sober. Endure hardship. Preach the gospel. Finish, finish the work. Finish your work. You're not called to finish someone else's work. You're called to finish your work. God has an assignment for you. What is it? Finish it to the best of your ability. Father, would you help us as your people? Help us to be, to be receptive to these, these challenges, these commands that you gave to us as Paul challenged his son in the faith, Timothy, before he died. So I pray that we would please you in how we respond to this. In Jesus' name, amen. With your heads bowed, would you find your knees there in your seat tonight? And do it that way. Perhaps you'd simply just cry out to the Lord, Lord, there's some areas of this, this message that you brought up to me that I need to shore up. I need to, I need to take a step forward. I need to be sober. I'm, I'm so tossed to and fro by what's going on in the world around me. 
I don't think clear-mindedly because I've, I've not given attention to my relationship with you and to your word and to prayer and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, when I do suffer hardship, I just get so offended. I need your help to endure and to even rejoice through the, through the hardship. Thanks for joining us for this episode and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode. I look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church podcast.